0: How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, man, for a Mother's Day, that was pretty. I think the ladies are all groaning. A big, hairy, ugly dude is going to speak this morning. That's what I heard in that response. Before the band is all gone, can you guys just thank them for leading us like that? That was awesome. I get the privilege... Not to actually speak to you today, so ladies, you can be like, oh, hey, okay, thank goodness. Mother's Day, traditionally, who cheered down here? Thank you, Amina, I so appreciate that. Um, yeah, um, she threw me off my groove, I don't even know what I'm going to say now. No, I get the privilege of introducing to you Kate Frailing. Kate, you want to come on up here? Hey! Hey! And for some of you, you know her very well. She is our Impact Women's Ministry leader. And um, this last year, she has put together and developed a um, sort of a study, an in-depth study, Deeper Discipleship, called SOAR. She's gone out, she's done the research, she's pulled that together, and she's led um, over 100 of our women through that study. It's been really, really good, and it's demonstrated the passion that she has for deeply understanding Jesus and and following him in true discipleship. So it's awesome that she gets to share with us today on Mother's Day. I want you to listen. I want you to give her your full attention. She is worth listening to. She also happens to be one of our um, LAT, which is our board here at Impact. So I'm excited that she gets to share, she's mind the word, and that she gets to share her heart, the God-breathed ruah of life through um, his word with us today. So will you join me in giving her a warm impact welcome? Let's do that. <laughs>
1: Good morning. It's so good to be here. I am so excited to share with you this morning. Um, I had just been bubbling up all week long with excitement to come up here and share with you. I love doing this. I love sharing God's heart and just teaching and being a reflection of his love for you. Um, I've been speaking with our women, like Ryan said, this winter we did every week. I was teaching and sharing, and so this doesn't feel that scary to me, Um, but it is a little weird to speak to faces with Beards—that's uh, new. So that's the first time for me. Um, but it's good to be able to come and share with you. Um, I love this place. I love not the building. The building's great, and it's cool to be in this big new place to have room for more people. But I love this community, this group of people, this body of believers. Um, next month, my husband and I will have been married for 14 years, and we've spent 13 of those years here in Lowell, and 13 of those years at Impact. <laughs> And I I was thinking about it this week, like I can't quite imagine having done 14 years of marriage without this support network behind us um, in our marriage. And our kids are seven and nine now, um, and doing parenting without the support of the people here to encourage us in parenting, but also to help us raise our kids up to know the Lord. This is my crew. Um, Taryn is nine, she's finishing third grade, and Tate is seven, he's finishing first grade. Um... My husband and I have been talking a lot lately about how much we love having big kids. Um, I loved it when they were babies, and I really did enjoy that stage, but I do not miss it. <laughs> like, there is a reason why I serve in women's ministry. Um, but as we've just been talking about how much we love having big kids, before COVID, I was at a women's ministry gathering, and this young mom came in, and she had a baby, little baby, in a carrier, and she came in, and... I was like, oh, I recognize that woman, and I knew it wasn't from here that I recognized her, so of course in front of everybody, I'm like, oh, I recognize you, like, how do we know each other? And we're trying to figure it out in front of everyone, and all of a sudden she goes, oh, you were my camp counselor, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, we're at that stage, like I'm feeling a little bit older, we're moving on to a new season of life, um, but that was good, it was eye-opening for me, Um but definitely one of the first time that's ever happened for me. Uh, the kids are getting older, though, and they're starting to ask for pets, like really asking for pets, and they're trying to like, pull out all the stops, and I'm really resisting that, because I used to work in the veterinary field before we had kids. I'm a licensed technician, and I really love animals, I really do, but I also know how much work they are. So as they're pushing for animals, I'm pushing back and saying, no, that's mommy's decision, and mommy is not ready to go there yet. Um, but so, from my, my life in the veterinary field, I have some fun cat facts for you, okay? I know you, there's some of you cat people out there. I'm not a cat person, but I have some fun cat facts for you. Um, cats are true carnivores, okay? That means they, have to, they are designed to metabolize meat, all meat, okay? We feed them kibble, and kibble by nature is carbs and lots of salt, and that is not what cats are meant to eat, okay? that's why a lot of you have fat cats at home because they're not eating what they're supposed to anyways this isn't to make you go home and worry about your cats All right, they'll be fine sort of so the reality is that (laughs) your cats walk around dehydrated pretty much all the time they live in a constant state of dehydration and the number one thing we saw in the veterinary field with older cats is kidney failure and the reason they have kidney failure when they get old is because they're constantly dehydrated and they have too much salt Okay? So our cats, they live and they function just fine, and as owners, our cats look like they're doing just fine, but really, on the inside, they're dying, and their kidneys are dying. Okay? And So I was thinking about how, for us, we are very much the same way with our health and our nutrition. We can exist and go about not eating very healthy food and not staying hydrated. A lot of you live on coffee and soda and energy drinks, okay? and the thought of walking around with a water bottle this big just, it's never gonna happen for you, okay? And so biologically, we can exist without good nutrition. And spiritually, we can exist without good nutrition too. And for a lot of us, we go about our day and we live, and we can live apart from God. And we can live without being filled with him and without good spiritual nutrition. And we can exist, but it's not really living, okay? For a lot of us on the inside, we're dying spiritually and emotionally and mentally because we're not getting that good nutrition that we need. Um, in Psalm 63, it says, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Okay, and let me tell you, we live in a dry and weary land. And a lot of us have gotten so used to being in this constant state of like spiritual dehydration that we don't even recognize how numb we are to the fact that we're dying inside. So my role as a mom, Is to teach my kids, right? To teach my kids proper nutrition, to teach them how to take care of themselves, to teach them how to be kind. But my primary role as a mom is to teach them to know Jesus, to teach them how to have good spiritual nutrition so that one day they can call their faith their own, right? And so that's my passion with leading our women's ministry, is to teach our women to be in the Word. And that is my heart for you as a body, for all you beards out here too. My heart for you is that you would know the Lord and that you would be able to have that deep connection with him. Okay, But I don't get to control my kids. I don't get to control their will. And there's days that I wish that I could, with every ounce of my being, make them obey me. And there are days that as a leader of our our church and our pastors and the staff at our church, they want to tell you what to do, teach you, and have you go out and do it and force you to do what you're supposed to do, but they don't get to do that, okay? You have to do that on your own. Impact's mission is to help people take their next step with Jesus, to help you take your next step, because we can't do it for you, okay? So this book is the source of everything that we teach, everything that we breathe here at Impact. It's our balanced nutrition. It's carbs, protein, and fat right here. And this is what you need to have that balanced nutrition. So I don't wanna just share a specific story out of this book for you today. I don't wanna share some deep theological truth out of this book, and I don't wanna share some verse that I found this week while I was preparing that just jumped off the pages out of me. I've never noticed it before, and I just wanna share this awesome connection that I've made in one part of what, this, of what this is, okay? I want to share with you what these words are and why they matter and why they're important, okay? I want to share with you that you really can get into this book even when it feels scary, even when it's frustrating, okay? Even when it's hard and it takes a lot of work, even when you feel totally clueless about what's happening here, Hey, maybe for some of you, you have no idea what this is. And the extent of your exposure to what's in this is when you've gone to Hobby Lobby and you see pretty verses on pictures for your wall or you've seen cool things on T-shirts that maybe have a verse slapped underneath it, right? So the simplest answer, simplest answer to what this book is is it's the Bible, okay? Hey, it's scripture, it's God's word. This is the word of God inspired by God. It's written by humans, but it's inspired by God. It's broken up into two parts. At the beginning, we have the Old Testament and that's the story of creation. It's the story of, fall, of the fall into sin. It's all the cool stories like Noah and the flood and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Father Abraham had many sons, right? The 12 tribes of Israel, it's the story of um, Jonah and the big fish and the parting of the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments. But really, all of those stories are painting the picture of God's faithfulness and the picture of why we so desperately need a Savior because of the fall. Everything in the Old Testament points to our need of a Savior. And so then we get to the New Testament, and that's the tipping point in humanity when Jesus comes onto the scene, the Savior of the world, Okay. It's his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven. This is all the New Testament. And then it goes on in the spread of the early church, where it teaches us um, how the church spreads and how Christianity spread and how we have Christianity now and how we still know these things because of what's in here. And that's why the whole thing matters, and that's why I don't want to teach just one part of it today. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Just like he breathed life into Adam and Eve at creation, he breathes life into this book. Psalm 119, it's the longest psalm in the whole Bible. It's 176 verses, and I'm gonna read it for you. Just kidding, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I'm gonna gonna paraphrase it for you, okay? So I'm gonna paraphrase it. Psalm 119 is when King David um, is reflecting on the word. He's reflecting on God's word. And we have to remember that when David was reflecting on God's word, he didn't have all of this. He had Old Testament law, which is the parts that we find really boring and the parts that we often want to skip over, like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Okay, so these are some of the words that David uses to describe it. He says laws, statutes, precepts, decrees, commands. (laughs) Those are fun, super fun words that get you really excited. Okay, but when you read the context of how David is talking about God's word, it changes those words from being something yucky to being something amazing. So I want you to listen to how David talks about God's word as I paraphrase. I am consumed with longing. I meditate on your decrees, they are my delight, my counselors, they strengthen me. I have set my heart on your laws, I hold fast to your statutes, I run in the path of your commands, you have set me free, I find delight in them, they preserve my life, I trust in your word, I have put my hope in your laws, I will walk about in freedom, I will not be put to shame, I delight in your commands, I love them, I lift up my hands to your commands, they comfort me in my suffering." Your promises preserve my life. Your decrees are the theme of my song. I will not forget your law. I believe, I delight in your law. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than a thousand pieces of silver or gold. My soul faints with longing for your salvation. Your law makes me wise. It gives me insight and understanding. Your words are sweeter than honey to my lips, a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. They are my heritage forever. The joy of my heart, my refuge, and my shield. I stand in awe of your laws. They are wonderful. I open my mouth and pant for your commands. My zeal wears me out. I lay awake at night meditating on your words. It's no wonder he wasn't. Um, sleeping and why he was awake, because he was up journaling and praying, right? He's not sleeping. I rejoice in your word like one who finds great spoils, abundant treasure, plunder. Seven times a day I praise you for your law. Seriously, that was about Leviticus and Numbers. (laughs) Okay, we can be this excited about the word and this is all of it, every piece of it, okay? The second thing I wanna talk to you about what the word is, okay, it's our Bible, in John 1, 2, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Okay? So I, I wondered, like, is John talking about God at the beginning of time when he's getting ready to create the cosmos? Is he sitting on his throne up in heaven, and he's got, like, his Bible on his lap because the word was with him? Right? In John 14, he goes on to tell us that's not what he's talking about. In John 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, he's not talking about the book here. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, fully God, fully man, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, three in one the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is and is to come from Revelation 2, who doesn't change like the shifting shadows from James, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word is Jesus. So when we engage with our Bible, we're engaging with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with God, okay? He never intended for us to see the Bible as just a book of rules and regulations, ugh, right? Right? He never intended for us to just see the Bible as a road map for life. It's not just a means to the end. And he didn't even intend for us to see it just as a love letter, just to make us feel good. Now, it is all of those things. Those are all parts of what scripture is. Okay, but it's meant to draw us near to him, to draw us into relationship with him so that we can know him, okay? In Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay? The word that he uses here for the word that's living and active, this book, the words in here that are living and active, when he says the word, in Greek it's the word logos, which is the same word that John used when he was talking about the word becoming flesh, that this is our direct connection to Jesus. It's why in every season of life, because he breathes life into this, why we can read scripture and get something out of it in every season of life and why he can speak to us through it, through the same passage in every season of life. It's why during our SOAR study, the women would all read the same passages during the week and we would come back together and we would talk about what we read and what we journaled and what we got out of the word that week and how everybody was met so personally exactly where they were at through what they were reading. Because God meets us and can speak to us through the Holy Spirit when we engage with him in his word. I, I have to laugh. I've got this friend who's not a believer and we were going to go out for lunch and we were looking at our schedules to see when we could line that up to make it happen. And I said, oh, I can't do that at that time. I've got my Bible study. And she's like, I do not get that. I do not get how you can go to a Bible study still all the time and keep going and studying that same book. Because to her, it's just a book. And what we know that's not what it is, it's not just a book. It's the word of God. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we look full in his wonderful face, it requires being in the word. It requires realizing and recognizing that this isn't just a book and it's not just a history book. It's not one more thing to check off your list. It's your direct connection to God, to the God of the universe who created each one of you and desires to be in that relationship with you. But the world around us is super distracting. And it makes it really hard for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And Satan doesn't care how your eyes are off of Jesus as long as they're off of him. You know, For a lot of us, he knows that he can't get you in the big sins, like the big top 10 commandment sins. Um, but if he can't get you in the big ones, he'll just keep you distracted and keep you busy and keep you um, tied up in fear and guilt and shame and lies and bitterness, all of these things that are keeping you from experiencing the freedom that Jesus has for you. If he can keep you there, he's good with that, because then you're not experiencing that, that freedom, but you're also not able to then mo- make movement for the kingdom and bring other people into that place, too. Okay, but for some of you, maybe you are in the word, and I am excited for you. Good job. Keep up the good work. Keep digging. Keep seeking his heart, because it does take a lot of work, and I'm proud of you for doing that. And remember, though, like, stay excited, and stay eager for what you're reading. Don't let your heart slip into this place of thinking, oh, I've read it, I've got a pretty good handle on this, I'm doing good, I've, you know, I've learned enough, because he always has more for you. So stay eager for what he wants to teach you next. But for a lot of us, you've tried, and it doesn't work. You've tried and you're not making any progress and you're frustrated and you're discouraged and you've tried to spend time getting into the word and it's not working. And that feels awful and it's defeating and it's just such a frustrating place to be. But I wanna ask you a question. What's been your why of trying to commit time to being in the word. Is your why because you feel guilty that you're not doing it, you know that like you're a Christian and you come to church on the weekends and I know that I should read the word and it's out of guilt that you spend time trying to get into the word? Out of this hope that maybe if you spend time in the word that you'll have understood it enough and read enough and gotten a good enough handle on it that you'll slip through the gates one day, that you'll slip into heaven and you'll avoid the fiery area because maybe you'll have done enough? Is that your why? Or maybe it's for more like self-serving reasons and you want to see results and you want to see proof and you want life to be easier. And maybe if you do enough in here that maybe God really will hear your prayers and things will get easier and simpler. That life won't seem so disappointing. Or maybe your why is what my why was for a very, very long time. I was raised in an amazing Christian home. I have a great family. But my why for a long time of staying in the word was because I wanted to look the part. I wanted to look the part of a good Christian girl and I wanted to know the answers and I wanted to be able to look smart and speak eloquently and have really awesome, like, biblical responses to things. And pride was the reason that I dedicated time to being in this word. Okay, so if those are your whys, it makes it really hard to stay committed. But what if your why changes? What if your why changes to a place of love? out of love for God, out of love for Jesus, out of wanting to experience that love now to tangibly know him? Hey, what if your why becomes wanting to know his love so that you can experience that freedom and be able to share it with the people around you because as you experience his love, your heart for people starts to be the heart of God for the people around you and you want to have the why be so that you can be a reflection of who God is, a reflection of him to the world. So when your why changes from guilt and selfishness and gain and pride and it shifts to a place of love and intimacy with the Lord to this place of freedom, it makes the effort and the sacrifice worth it. It makes all of the effort and even the setbacks and the stumbles that you begin to realize that God is working in that too and teaching you through that, okay? Salvation is on Jesus salvation is one and done. He did the work. The work and the effort that you put in is not your salvation. Let me make that very, very clear. You don't put the work in because you hope you can do enough and that his salvation comes alongside with the work that you're doing and the effort that you're putting in. But experiencing life from your salvation, it does take work and it takes effort. It takes effort because there are those seasons that come when you don't feel like it when you don't feel God, when you don't feel like reading your Bible, when you don't feel like praying, when you don't feel like being joyful and living from this place of your salvation. But when you've put the effort in and you've made it a discipline, even in those seasons when you don't feel it, that's when you're disciplined and you stick with it and you continue to hear the voice of God and you continue to connect with him and experience him. But this is also the beauty of God's grace in that, because we do go through those seasons where we're lazy, where we're disobedient, where we rebel, where we flat out just want to do it our own way, and his grace covers that every time. His grace covers it when you mess it up, when you wind up back in that same spot, when you thought you had worked through it, you'd spent time in the word, and you legitimately heard God's voice, and you knew, and you had answers to how you know the how to overcoming that area you were struggling with and then you find yourself back in it again and you're frustrated again and you think I thought I read it I thought I got it his grace covers that and he meets you again the next time and he walks you through it again over and over and over that's his lavish grace that's why he came that's why he took on flesh that's why he went to the cross that's why he gives us these words that's why he gives us the holy spirit It's not just so that we can have a whole lifetime of His grace to work out our salvation, so that one day, you know, we can have forgiveness and be in heaven with Him. It's that by all means. But it's because we can experience that intimacy with Him now. We can experience that presence of God now. That's why He gives us the Holy Spirit. I love in John 16, when Jesus is talking with the disciples, it's right before he's getting ready to go to the cross and he's telling the disciples, it's better for you that I'm gonna go away. I think a lot of us think, oh, if only I lived when Jesus was here and I could have walked with Jesus and touched him and actually had something physical to see and to look at his actual face and not just have to think about his actual face and seeing the miracles, that that would have been easier and it would have been better and easier to have faith. But Jesus tells us very clearly that This side of grace that we're on is better because of the Holy Spirit. So listen to John 16. He says, very truly I tell you, it is good for you. It is expedient for you. It is to your advantage. It is best for you. It is profitable for you. It is better for you. It is to your benefit that I go away. Unless I go, the advocate, the comforter, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus was only in one physical place at a time. He was fully man. So if you weren't right with him, you weren't right with him. And that's not how it works with the Holy Spirit. When we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, when the things of earth grow strangely dim, when we're heavenly minded, okay, when we want to store up treasures in heaven and live this life that honors God, that's a great thing. It truly is, and having the hope of salvation is an amazing thing. For Jason and his family, as they're going through this time where their hearts are breaking, as they're getting ready to say goodbye to their dad, the hope of salvation is what gives them peace and joy in the midst of the sorrow and the heartbreak, okay? But if our why is only for heaven, it's a little bit daunting. It's a little bit of a long time to wait when we live in a world of like immediate gratification and we want things now, but we don't have to wait until this physical body dies to be able to experience Jesus. We don't have to put in all of this work just for heaven someday, okay? That's a part of it. But when you know that the effort is something that can shape and change your life now, that changes what your why becomes of spending time in the word and putting the effort in. Okay, but how do we do this? Like, practically, how do you put in the effort? How do you stick it out when it's hard? How do you stay the course when you're frustrated and discouraged, when the word seems fruitless, that it doesn't seem like there's any seeds being planted in there that are doing anything? Hey, how do you stick it out when God seems distant and when he seems far off? How do you get passionate about a book? especially for a lot of you, I know that reading is not your favorite thing to do and you're not a natural student, so having to open a book, especially one that has this many pages with that small of words, <clears throat> right? Okay? And for some of you, it may not be that you don't like to read, it may be that reading is actually really hard for you and you don't comprehend what you read and the words don't make sense on the page and maybe you're dyslexic and you're like, how am I supposed to engage with God when I can't read, Okay. That's a frustrating place to be. But I have some suggestions for you and some helpful tips for you, and you can't do all of them, you can't take them all on. Don't bite off more than you can chew, it's your next step, okay? Not the next race all at once, okay? It takes time and progress to work through it. So I want to share some of these ideas with you. I'm feeling like a cat, hold on a second. Okay? So the first thing, the first idea I have for you of how you actually go about doing this is get connected, okay? Consider how we may spur each other on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, okay? That's talking about more than just coming here on the weekends, okay? 90 minutes of good nutrition on the weekends is awesome, but right here, And the way that God created us is to be in community together. So when you come and you sit here, you're not engaging with the people around you the whole time you're in here, and the 10 or 15 minutes, maybe for some of you a half hour after church, out in the back of the lobby, that is not how you spur each other on towards love and good deeds. That doesn't hold you accountable. It doesn't help answer your questions. It doesn't do life with you if you just come on the weekend. So you've got to get connected. Join a life group. We talk about that all the time, right? Life groups not only get you connected, but they get you into the word. It gets you doing it with other people. It can give you tools of how to study. There's so many different ways to study God's word. So join a life group. Do something with women's ministry or men's ministry. Serve and volunteer because even though you're serving, you're building relationships. And that's what helps you stay motivated to be in the word and to be encouraged. Come up after the service and pray with our prayer team and let them cover you in prayer and help to encourage you and to spur you on. You're not meant to do this alone. Do it with other people. Let them help you. Let us help you. Our ministries exist for a reason. The next one is to carve out time. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When I think back to the beginning of COVID and before COVID, how busy my schedule was. I keep a really busy schedule. And then COVID happened and my schedule was empty and that felt really weird, okay? But I'm not downplaying the virus and COVID and any of that. But if a virus can make me clear my schedule and I can make room in my schedule for a virus because I know it's important to stay home and follow the rules and not spread disease and not get sick, if that's a priority, why can't God be a priority in my schedule? Why can't I make time for him? He's a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more important than what we've been going through in the last year with COVID. Hey, but you've got to carve out time and you need to look at your schedule and see where your priorities are. You got to put it on your schedule like a doctor's appointment, show up early even maybe, but certainly don't cancel it. Don't be a no-show for God because he's waiting to spend time with you. So look at your schedule and it takes sacrifice. You may need to give something up, but he's faithful in that and he will reward that sacrifice. But it takes effort. The next one is to take advantage of the mundane. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? Taking advantage of the mundane, we have a lot of mindless time. There's a lot of things that you do that don't take a whole lot of, like, head power. Okay? And in those things, when it doesn't take a whole lot of brain power, you're off in la-la land with your brain, and usually it's not super productive. You're not thinking about a whole lot of stuff usually that's really important, or you're stressing out over things and anxious about things and you're mulling over things in your brain. That is not how you renew your mind. You renew your mind by, by meditating on the word. So in those times when your brain is mindless, here's some examples. Driving, cleaning, doing the dishes, working out, mowing the lawn, okay? Turn on some audio version of the Bible and listen to it. You don't have to listen to it for an hour and a half, and you're going to tune it out. But turn it on for 10 or 15 minutes for part of the time when you're doing something that's mindless before you turn on music and give some time to the Word. Or when you're brushing your teeth or putting on your makeup or doing your hair or even in your shower, you can stick Bible verses there so you see it and it reminds you of God's faithfulness. Even if it's one little verse, if you're not reading any verses, one verse on the wall, God will work with that. Baby steps, right? Right? But you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta take advantage of that time when your brain is mindless. And the last one, honestly, no more excuses. No more excuses. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. This is at your fingertips. It's everywhere. It's right here for you. We live in an age when this is so readily available. It comes in so many different versions, so many different formats. There's comic book versions. It's okay if you read a kid's Bible. Okay, we're giving it to our kids. Why isn't it enough for us? If you need a comic book version, that's all right. Hey, I was looking on Google and it told me that there was over 100 different versions of this in the English language. Okay, so it's there for you. You also don't have to carry around a big cumbersome book like this, right? You all have your phones on you all the time. Okay, you can download a Bible on your phone. You have the whole thing right there in all of the different versions at once. You can get an app that sends you a scripture to read every day. You can get audio versions on your phone and just download that so you can listen to it. Okay, if you don't have one, ask us, we'll get you one. Okay, put in the effort. I have a friend from women's ministry who can't see. She's losing her eyesight. And she sent me a message this week and said, I know you're busy I'm really overwhelmed with trying to find a Bible that I can read in large print. Will you go with me to 28th Street to Baker Bookhouse and help me pick out a book? Help me find the right Bible? Yeah, I'll go with you. I'm not gonna let you drive, but I will go with you. <laughs> and I will help you pick out your Bible. But she's putting in the effort, no more excuses for her, and she can't see and she still wants to read. Okay, so just like my mom heart for my kids is that they know the Lord and my heart for our women is that they get into this word and that's my heart for all of you this morning. God's heart for you, God's passion for this for you is so much stronger than mine. He loves you so much. He didn't just move heaven and earth to get to you. He moved from heaven to earth. Jesus came in order to make this possible for you and then he did it again. The Holy Spirit moved from heaven to earth to live inside of you. You don't have to wait for eternity to experience him. Don't let the room that you have in your space to grow intimidate you. Don't let the frustration and the disappointment of how you've messed it up in the past stop you from fixing your eyes on Jesus and putting the effort in so that you can look full in his glorious face. Remember the magnitude of his love and of his grace. Celebrate what he's done for you and celebrate the victory of the small steps. Those small steps turn into milestones, and Jesus wants and will journey all of that with you along the way. So as we close, the band's gonna sing for us again, Turn Your Eyes, and I just wanna pray over you. um, Something I journaled last night in preparation for coming up here, I wanna pray, and then I want you to just sit and listen and fix your eyes on Jesus and get your heart into a space where the things of this world can fade away, not because you're in this hyper-spiritualized place, but you can recognize that there's so much more right now. So Jesus, whatever life in this place needs this nudge, this encouragement, draw them. Give them not just conviction today, Lord, but give them courage, courage to take that next step towards you so that they can experience you deeply and fully, that they may know the joy of your presence, of your friendship, of your love, of your heart for them right now. Move powerfully, Jesus, in the way that only you can. Amen.